And uh, as it turns out, I, I, it really wasn't the case at all. (laughs) (laughs) Power to live more with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Jo Dodds and I started this show to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean to do the stuff that they want to do more than the stuff that they need to or should do. It's about creating a life for yourself where you have the energy, health and space to be happy and fulfilled, spending your time as you'd like, whether that be at work, home or somewhere else entirely. That's your choice. Hello, my name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter. And today, Joe's interviewing Brittany Pickram. Brittany was introduced to us by Olga Kirschenbrown from show number 155. Brittany is the owner of her own virtual boutique brand and design company that is based in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Since 2007, Brittany has been providing sophisticated visual brand and graphic design services for community leaders and change makers across the globe. It's Brittany's passion to help her customers create outstanding brand experiences, both online and in person. Back to the studio. Today I'm speaking to Brittany Pickram of Branding by Brittany, which um, has, this is my third attempt to introduce Brittany because I saw it as a bit of a tongue twister and she tells me that uh, she calls it Brittany, not Brittany. So I was, I was doing it all, you know, very English there, wasn't I? So welcome Brittany. Uh, so lovely to speak to you. You too, Joe. Thank you so much for having me on your show today. Who knew it was going to be such a tongue twister? I always know when I have a long conversation with somebody about how you pronounce their name, I always know it's going to go wrong after that. <laughs> how you say it is lovely. It's, it's prettier than how I say it. <laughs> so now I'm all confused because I want to call you Brittany, but I want to call you by what you call yourself. So we'll see what, what happens as we go through. But anyway, thanks for joining me. Really pleased to be talking to you. You as well. So start by telling us a bit about who you are, what you do, and where you do it. Yeah, so um, as you mentioned, my name is Brittany, or as you pronounce it, Brittany. I love that. Uh, I, am, um, I am calling in today from the east coast of Canada in a little province called Nova Scotia. So Nova Scotia, as I was explaining to you, is probably the closest to the UK, probably the closest Canadian province to the UK. Um, and, uh, so I'm, I'm here, I have my own small virtual branding and design business. So to, to give you the, the sort of the overview of what it is that I do, I help my customers to show up powerfully both in person and online. So that could be anything from their wardrobe to their website, to their logo, it, in any way that they need to have visual sophistication and look great, that's what I help them to do. It, that's the most simplest way to explain what I do. <laughs> mm, and I love that because you so often when you hear people talking about branding, you sort of assume it's about colors and, and logos and, and websites and things like that. And sometimes people talk um, about how you look and, and being, you know, being the brand in that way. But most often people don't do the, both at the same time so it's interesting that that's the case how did that come about yeah so what a fantastic question um that it that came about in a in a few different ways so uh and i'm going to probably talk about this a little bit more later on 
I got involved with a women's leadership group that is hosted by my mentor. And I started working with a lot of women in the group. And something that I realized, a lot of these brilliant six, seven-figure business owners were not showing up as powerfully online as they were in person or vice versa. So they, they own these crazy successful businesses. They're all these eloquent, like sophisticated people, and they aren't necessarily showing up as, as powerfully as they, as they could be in either one way or another. And that's really where I kind of found a little bit of a niche in, in working with these folks. So, um, you know, it's easy to overlook our personal brands um, and sort of, you know, discount them in, in a way. Uh, but really in, in working with these women and being alongside of these really inspiring women, I, I found that that's really how my talents uh, with branding and my expertise around that was really helpful to them. Mm, that's really interesting. So say I, I'm just trying to think of who I know that, 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 you know, does one or the other and, and there is no one that, that does the both. So, so that's really interesting. And so how did you, sort of get into this in the first place so I will say to my guest said did you want to do this when you're at school <laughs> in, a, in a really roundabout way yes and no um, so I didn't have as big a vision obviously when I first started uh, but but really about 13 years ago now I, I graduated from uh, gra the graphic design program here at uh, Nova Scotia Community College uh, so it's just a little two-year diploma program and that's really my only formal education. Uh, so a lot of my learning I, I did on the job. I worked, I started working with um, a lot of small businesses and non-for-profit organizations. So my, my passion was really about taking my, my talents with graphic design and, and helping these smaller businesses uh, show up in a more impactful way. And, you know, they were really, you know, heart-centered businesses doing really cool things in the community. So one was a local coffee shop. Um, another was the Atlantic Film Festival. And um, it was really great to start to start working there. Um, then I started working at um, an ad agency. And that was like my most exciting sort of portion was was working with these folks. Um, and I was like, Oh, like, I've made it to working at an ad, ad agency, I, you know, I have, I've struck it like my career dream. And, and this is everything. And uh, as it turns out, I, I, it really wasn't the case at all. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it really wasn't. But, um, you know, what did come from that was, is that it made me think a little bit bigger about how graphic design um, plays with branding and how your visual brand uh, works with graphic design. So that's when I started looking at design in more of a business sense. So there's there's a place for creative communication in the business world. And that's sort of where it started for me. Um, so uh, that that's kind of where I got the insight about about branding. And then I went on, you know, from there, it obviously did not work out at the agency, I thought it, it would be something like, you know, working with, you know, I, I don't know if you've seen the show Mad Men. <laughs> but no. I like yeah. imagining I would be like Peggy or Joan from from Mad Men and really um, it was it was anything but I thought it'd be, I'd be working with these really big exciting brands and the brands were big but they were anything but exciting and they really weren't value aligned with me at all um, they weren't really contributing positively to their communities they weren't you know creating change for good and I felt really disconnected from a value alignment 
so needless to say, I, after I parted ways from that agency, it really kind of springboarded into my entrepreneurial journey, my accidental entrepreneurial journey. And um, that's where I really started to focus even more on, on brands and the power of branding, especially as it pertains to personal brands. And when you talk about working somewhere where you didn't have the same values, were you aware of that to begin with? Because many many people would be sort of working places and not happy and 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 not want to be there. But not everyone would identify it as a, as a sort of values clash, if you like, or, or a non-aligned values issue. Were you really aware of that at that stage? Yeah, that's a really that's a really good question. So uh, at first, uh, I was just so dazzled with the fact that I'd be working at a fancy agency. And they had some really great accounts. They actually worked with the LGBTQ community. And that is totally something I'm passionate about. I got to work on that account. They also worked with another local cafe, which, which was really the, the, you know, my roots in my career, my very first uh, job in design was with a cafe. But then the longer I stayed there, I got to kind of peek under the covers a little bit deeper and I got to see sort of see the organizations that they were working with and, and how they were really running the agency from an ethics perspective. Mm. Um, and it was just a little less charming and dazzling than what um, I had originally thought. So at first I didn't realize that there was a value misalignment there. It was something that I really had to kind of experience and, and go through. And yeah. then the call in the agency was really, um, really quite toxic, uh, for lack of a better term. I ended up actually, so I would work, and I mean, I love working long hours. I have no problem with working hard, but, you know, I'd be working 16, 18 hour days. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I eventually um, ended up getting migraines. And it was to a point where I actually couldn't see for certain hours (laughs) of the day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And 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 there was just no, I remember I was walking back home from my job at like two or 3am in the morning. And I remember thinking like, what, what can I be proud about that I did today? And I just couldn't really find that. Yeah. Uh, and that's when I knew it was, you know, it was not, it really was not a fit for me. Mm-hmm. So how does that experience and um, setting something else up differently because of it? How does that manifest in, in what you do now? So how have you sort of learned from that yourself, if you like? Yeah, so um, on a, I think everything happens for a reason. So sometimes like the darkest moments lead you to the light, for, for lack of a better um, expression. So for me, uh, hitting that sort of values, lack of values, rock bottom, I realized who I didn't want to work with and really, you know, who I, and, and perhaps gave me an insight that, into who I did want to start working with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from, I, I remember on that same walk home that night around 3am, I remember kind of promising myself, it's like, you know what, like, I'm, I'm a talented designer and I'm going to work for the good guys. I'm going to lend my talents to good people. And that really provided a bit of a direction for me about who I wanted to start working with next. So the next organization that I worked with, my very first client after I registered my business, uh, was a organization here called the IWK Foundation. So they um, do fundraising for uh, women and children in the community um, in a medical sense. So you know, if there's if there's a baby, they, the IWK Foundation does the 
of fundraising for um, women who are pregnant, women who have at-risk pregnancies, and also um, pediatric uh, care as well for children. So mm-hmm. after I started working there, I could actually see, you know, the design pieces that I was doing was directly contributing to helping them raise funds for this area in the community. And it felt really good. And I was like, okay, like, this is what lights me up. This is in total alignment. And this is so exciting to be working with these folks. And my efforts have a tangible difference. Uh, so that, you know, from working, you know, with the people who I really didn't want to work with, it shone the light towards like where the people I did want to work with. Yeah. Uh, so it did provide excellent direction for me that way. Lovely. So how do you work with people now? What, what does a sort of typical day look like, a sort of typical relationship with a, with a client look like? Yeah, so a lot of folks that I work with now, it's still quite similar. It's, it's usually change makers in some way or somebody who's providing transformation and change, whether it's cultural, whether it's in a physical space, somebody that is making something better. So I like to say that I work with with change makers. So one of my really big clients uh, right now that I've worked with and I have the pleasure of working with is the Halifax Jazz Festival. So they really um, bring this cultural, uh, music cultural aspect to um, the community here in Nova Scotia that we otherwise wouldn't have. They actually draw artists from all over the world to come here normally under normal circumstances. Now they're doing a virtual, um, a virtual event this year. Um, so I really see that they're bringing vibrance and, and culture right here to little Nova Scotia. Yeah. Um, another client that I've, I've worked with recently is actually, they, they provide these beautiful uh, outdoor sanctuaries. So they take an outdoor space and they transform it into a tranquil, relaxing um, area. And that's a client in Chicago named Topiarius and I would encourage everybody to look them up their work is absolutely stunning so I work with people who really create transformation and change in some way I also work with a lot of um, uh, you know coaches as well so working with their personal brand helping them to position their brand in a way to you know get the word out and the message out that that they can they provide change to their clients and they uh, and, and also through their leadership as well um, so somebody who I've had the pleasure of working with with that is Eleanor Beaton. Anybody listening to this podcast should absolutely check Eleanor out. Eleanor has changed my life um, and, you know, through, under her leadership as well. So it's all, everybody has a vein of um, creating transformation for the better. That's really the typical client that I work with. Yes, lovely. And so you talked obviously about clients in, in Chicago as an example. We're uh, in still in sort of lockdown of sorts. Uh, it's the middle of July at the moment. So I think this will be going out at the end of July. Uh, you have clearly been working remotely. <laughs> yes. That client already. Uh, what, how has this been for you? And, and what sort of um, tips have you got for people working remotely in this sort of um, structure? Yeah, I I have had, I got to say, I, I definitely, uh, this pandemic has, the one positive thing that's really come out of this has given me a lot of perspective about what's really working in my business 
-hmm. and, and what isn't because that's, it's really also good to know your, your weaker spots um, in your business as well. So this, this kind of pressure and this unexpected uh, sort of times has highlighted both what's working and what isn't working. Uh, so running a virtual agency, so that just means, you know, it's an online, it's an online agency, I don't have a brick and mortar shop like your typical ad agency. Something that I've learned is that I'm really sort of ahead of the curve working in a virtual space because I already have the tools set up to work with these clients and provide them the, the same experience or, you know, maybe even a more superior experience working with them um, online with the tools that I use. Uh, so I've been doing that now for, from an international perspective, I've been working with clients probably honestly for the last five years that way mm -hmm. um, and the technology has has been there for quite some time so one way that my business is working really well is that I, I have all these fantastic you know tech and it's really quite simple that really helps me do my job just as if I was in the same room with them um, and that's something that is an interesting sort of mindset shift you don't always have to be you know, in the same country, in the same province, in the same room as somebody and provide them a fantastic experience uh, when you have these tools at your disposal. So I've been, I've been really fortunate that way and, and well prepared with this pandemic and that I had that, that workflow and that process built into my business already. So I've been mm. really that way. And what sort of tools are you using? What sort of processes yeah. Uh, so, you know, the exactly what we're using today. So Zoom is probably my favorite video conferencing uh, platform for sure. Zoom is just fantastic. Another, um, another platform that I use, and it sounds very similar to Zoom, it's called Loom. So Loom, L-O-O-M, is a screen recording software. So oftentimes I'll do pre-recorded brand presentations or I'll send client revisions that way. So I actually have a couple clients in the UK. I have a few clients in, in the States. And a lot of times, uh, if they don't have time to meet by virtual meeting, I will send them a Loom video. So Loom is an incredible, incredible tool. Yeah. And of course, I'm on all the G Suite products. So uh, I have all of my files stored in a cloud, which is really beautiful. I can send my client links seamlessly that way. Uh, it's not a perfect system, but between G Suite, Zoom, and Loom, I, I honestly am pretty comfortable working on that setup. And I use a, I use a Macintosh computer, no surprise, a designer using a Mac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is quite predictable, really. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Um, any other apps that you, that you use? Uh, yeah, so as so as a designer, I do use uh, some professional design software. And I have another suggestion for anybody listening who who's doing a little bit of their own design, their DIY kind of design. Yeah. So I use a um, Adobe Creative Cloud. So that's InDesign, Photoshop, Illustrator, uh, Adobe Acrobat. So that's pretty much the professional standard for for any brand designer, graphic designer, illustrative, creative professional to use. Yeah. That's pretty much the industry standard. Um, but what I would love to recommend uh, for anybody who is um, sort of doing things on their own uh, would be using a fantastic product called Canva. Um, Canva is pretty well known at this point, but it, it is a free service that offers a fantastic uh, set of 
you know, design tools. And really what they've done that's so fantastic is that they've really democratized design. They have yeah. made design available for everybody. And I absolutely love brands that, that have that in mind, you know, leveling the playing field for everybody to have access to these tools that otherwise didn't even maybe five years ago. Uh, so Canva is, has, is really fantastic. And I use it as well. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I um, have over the years used various different tools, and I wouldn't say that I'm a designer, <laughs> shape or form, but they just make it so easy that, that you know, it's a bit of a no-brainer for really simple stuff, isn't it? And and then if you want some, I don't know, templates where you can start with something, and I mean, I've done things like, you know, we had a neighbour's barbecue here, and I needed to do an invite, so I just went onto Canva and found an invite that already existed and just typed over my details and, you know, voila I had uh, I had the intro the uh, invite done sort of thing and uh, so it's so easy to use isn't it yeah it's it's fantastic it, it's it's really great like you know what I would say is something that that can really help you um, you know with using Canva is having a good sense of of how especially keeping consistency in mind for your brand mm. um, so you know having a basic brand style guide so a brand style guide I love telling people about these it, it's just your, it's the same fonts, it's the same colors, it's the same kind of photography style that you all have, you have grouped into. Um, and Canva actually provides this as well. Um, and you just are always choosing the same colors and the same fonts all the time because you don't want to um, create visual inconsistency for your audience. So make sure that, you know, here's a little brand tip, always make sure that you're drawing on the same colors and using the same fonts because that's really how you get that visual brand equity worked into your visual brand. Um, so having that brand style guide piece is, is really powerful and, and Canva is so fantastic with the pre-made templates that you can apply your custom colors fonts too mm. and I mean you, you started to say how important that is let's just sort of explore that a bit further I, I, I've been doing some work um, with one of the clients that I work with and some of the a uh, couple of people have, have created some um, design stuff which sort of in a, and of itself looks fine but hasn't followed the brand guidelines and I swear they think I'm like you know, Wicked Witch of the West, who's constantly banging on about these blinking prank guidelines. So <laughs> really clear that, you know, we, we were really lucky that they were put together by um, a really prestigious uh, branding agency. So they're really comprehensive. You know, you, you can't really go wrong as long as you follow them, obviously. But people generally, you know, no disrespect to the, to the people that, that have done this, because, you know, I think people generally have a, have a, a need to be creative quite often and I'm sure you've come across people that you've worked with where you, you sometimes feel like you're banging your head against a brick wall because I've come to you for help around branding and then they you know insist on continuing to to not follow the guidelines sort of thing <laughs> what what is it about about I mean maybe it's just about being creative I don't know but how why is it so important and and why do you think people go off piece so often well, that's that's a good question. Um, I think oftentimes, um, some sometimes it's just it's hard to let go, and just trust in your brand guidelines. Um, and it's just really though, I like to I like to explain it this way to my customers. It's honestly, a, you're making more work for yourself when you're when you're reinventing the wheel each time you do a design piece. Uh, when you have a brand style guide and you and you follow the rules, not only are you you know 
building your your brand recognition with your audience time and time again. Um, you're also keeping that visual consistency and professionalism because oftentimes, like if you look at any any big company, I love looking at big companies. I work with a lot of small businesses, but big companies know about branding. They have the budget and they invest in their brand. And there's a reason that you know right away from like, you know, at, at a first glance, you know right away when something is Facebook. You know right away when something is Coca-Cola. You know mm -hmm. right away when something is, uh, we spoke about this brand earlier, Apple, Macintosh. Like, you know right away when, when you see those brands. And that's because they stick to consistency. So I think sometimes um, we can get kind of our ego takes over and we want to control everything and yeah. we want to make sure that it's done right and and I get it because I, I get this way as well in my business in different areas but it's so important to trust in your brand and and to be consistent with it to build up that recognition and that equity where somebody can look at something that you put out online and go that is Joe Dodd's signature red color. Like mm. that's her color, right? It's unmistakable. I know that that's her stuff. So that's really how you begin to, to build that equity and recognition is through mm. that consistency. Um, but why people don't stick to it? I think it's because they're not trusting in it. And I think they yeah. are not letting go. That's really, I think, where, where it's easy to fall down as a small business owner. <laughs> I do think as well, sometimes, whether it's that thing about... Um, thinking that people need novelty and so sometimes I, I talk to people who are uh, speakers and they have a sort of signature talk and then they they decide they need to change it very quickly after they've sort of gone out with the talk because they feel like the audience is going to be the same and is going to need something different and you know more often than not the audience isn't the same and yeah. you don't need anything different. And, you know, I work with the Engage for Success, which is a national uh, movement around employee engagement. And I regularly go, go to talk about engagement in places. And I say, who's heard of us? And we think we're doing a you know, pretty good job of getting the, our name out there. And I say, who's heard of us? And like three, three, name, three hands out of 100 go up. <laughs> <laughs> it's clearly not working very well. Um, so from that, I know how often, you know, I'm talking to new people. And so saying the same thing isn't a problem. And it's like that um, with branding, I think. But I think people naturally sort of think, oh, people will get bored. We need to create something more interesting for them so that they don't get bored. But it's sort yeah. of almost the opposite, isn't it? People need to feel comfortable and, and um, they need to sort of tap into the fact that they, as you said, they not only the people doing it trusting the brand but actually the people seeing it trusting you and trusting your brand well yeah and you're you're touching on something huge there which is familiarity because who do we always want to work with and and it's said time and time again everybody listening to this right now is going to roll their eyes but people who you know like and trust mm -hmm. so you you need to build that same sort of recognition and familiarity with, with your branding and that happens with consistency now what i will say as a as a bit of a caveat to that point is that you know this by no means 
that it doesn't mean that you don't experiment, that you don't try new things and that you, you know, play with things to see if something might work a little bit better. I think there needs to be room for iteration mm. and innovation and, you know, obviously being responsive to things that are happening. Um, so, you know, always do that too, but, you know, try to keep it as consistent as possible. And then there'll be, there'll be a natural evolution that, that happens as well. So, you know, keeping that curiosity as well, but also being mindful of consistency it sounds a little bit like it's two different mixed messages but mm -hmm. you know making sure that you have that space to try new things but but you know also remaining consistent as well <laughs> yeah yeah no I completely get it I was having a discussion the other day exactly about that brand the engage success brand and saying you know we had a website that was full of big squares of block color in our brand colors and we don't like that anymore but all we've done is created things that aren't blocks of color they're like they might now be a box with an outline of the color but the inside of the box is white um so we're using the same colors but we're using them you know in a different way so that, that it doesn't look quite so dated and it doesn't look quite so scary yeah <laughs> um, well that's a yeah, that's a beautiful example of you know you know working within your you know the creative uh guidelines but changing it up a little bit that's a really good mm -hmm. example of that yeah yeah oh phew i'll go back and say i've had an expert confirm that this is okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah no absolutely and i should mention too you know the visual brand it, it is a it is a piece of it but something that's really helpful too is is also having a strategy behind it as well so it's like what are what are what is your vision what are what are your goals who who are your customers who are who are your competition and really understanding your place in the market as well mm -hmm. but speaking to your customers and really understanding what it is about how you can serve them better because visual brand it's it's hugely important but also the underpinnings of that really come from the the strategy and really understanding where it is in the market that you really need to show up and, and play so mm -hmm. i should be clear too to everybody that um you know a lot of times it's not necessarily just arbitrary choices with color or with fonts it's really understanding who you're serving and how you can serve them better and and who you're competing against and yeah. as as we know like in the world that we're living in especially in these times your competition is the world <laughs> so yeah, yeah, you exactly. know making sure that you're looking at everybody who's your competition out there is is really going to set your brand up for success as well yes yeah it's interesting for anyone who hasn't gone through a sort of brand conversation with a, a, a designer um it's interesting uh, and you know I did it on a small scale with a new business that I was starting a, a good few years ago and I, I can remember sitting there thinking she needs to know what <laughs> and you know we were having a really in-depth conversation and I was like oh my god you know I, I just thought you you just you know you got creative came up with you know a little design a few <laughs> colors and then I said oh I like that one and that one but I don't like that one and I want it that a bit more swirly and then he went away and worked on it again but I mean it was a good couple of hours um, of really in-depth conversation about who my clients were and what I was trying to achieve and as you say all that stuff and and it was interesting because so many people start businesses and think that it's all about creating a logo and getting the name right and they haven't really thought through the business and they spend sort of inordinate, inordinate amounts of time choosing a logo when they don't really understand their business enough to even brief anyone to oh, to create yes. it. 
Yes, that's a really that's another really big branding pitfall when you're when you're first starting off because the thing is is like your first three years truthfully in business like you're you're experimenting you're kind of seeing what the market is telling you and you're figuring out your place. I almost wouldn't even suggest and this is coming from a brand expert. You know, at first I would I would even really figure out like really market test what you're selling before mm. you make a really big grand investment in your in your brand. Now there's everybody's a little bit different. There's there's some customers who I work with and it doesn't matter to them that they're just starting out. They know exactly where they're going, they've done their market research and they're ready to invest. But some other folks are not like that. And you know, it's really just depends on wh what are your goals are, where you're going, um, and what your approach is and what kind of business you're building at first. But oftentimes, a lot of small business owners, um, it, it's unnecessary right away to really have everything figured out because you are still figuring things out mm -hmm. when you're when you're fresh in your business. So, um, yeah, it's it's a little bit of like the cart before the horse sort of yeah. sort of question I'm that so always glad, comes up. So glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So, what's up to yourself and sort of keeping up with what's happening? You you've already talked about. Um, having a mentor and um, working with um, other people in, I guess, some sort of mastermind group or certainly a group where you're able to stay connected with each other. How, how do you make sure that you're learning and improving what you do all, all the time? Yeah. Um, so for me, and that is really a huge, huge part of it is being part of this, this community. So um, I am part of this online community. It's all, it's all women owned businesses, which I have to say for me, me personally, being a female-owned business, there is unique challenges. And Joe, maybe you would agree with me with this too. There is unique challenges to being a woman-led and owned business. There's certain barriers that are still there, um, unfortunately. And it's nice to have that support and community of women, of of sisters who are who are going through um, similar things. So most everybody in my business group is so much further advanced in their business than I am. So a way that I stay inspired and learning is surrounding myself in, in rooms of people that I probably don't belong in. <laughs> and I, I shouldn't say that, of course I belong in the room, but um, you know, people who are, are so much further along in their mm -hmm. business than me are so much smarter than me. And it's really inspiring to see, you know, where, where they've gone and what they've done in their businesses and, and making them profitable and making them risk adverse and being strategic. And I, I am naturally a creative through and through. I am such a creative person and my, my entrepreneurial sense and my business sense is something that I need to work a lot harder with. So being part of this community makes me really challenged all the time. The learning is really advanced. Um, the people in the group are really advanced. So it keeps me on my toes. It keeps me really humble. And I'm constantly learning, uh, which is really great. And I feel like I need that being weaker on that business side. Um, now, another way that I that I stay inspired, um, and this is for anybody that's creative that's listening, Instagram, I love Instagram. And anybody listening, please follow me on Instagram. I'll probably follow you back. I absolutely love it. Um, it it's just a creative visual platform. And you get to see what, you know, the world's most relevant artists, most talented artists are doing. Um, and I love 
that creative influence. It's so important to, as a creative as well, to nourish your creative side just as well as the entrepreneurial side, because mm. really my product at the end of the day is creative. Um, so it really feeds my creative soul and curiosity being on Instagram. Um, I, and I can't really say that about necessarily a lot of social platforms, but yeah. you know, being on there has, is really inspiring for me as a, as a creative person. And I also have like a small um, gro- group of local uh, ladies that I meet up with here as well who are creative entrepreneurs. So, you know, speaking to them and, and realizing that, you know, I'm not the only one with these certain sets of challenges being a creative entrepreneur is really reassuring as well. And it's, you know, it's nice to have that um, too. So those between those three things, um, I would say that's, you know, those are the, the main things that I do in, from a business sense. And then also reading, reading books when I can as well. <laughs> and I have a list of probably 25 books that I need to read <laughs> in this moment. Uh, but, you know, reading um, also really makes you look at things differently as well, because you can kind of just slip inside of somebody else's mind. And um, again, somebody who is probably more advanced than I am in their, in their business and get to soak up their wealth of knowledge as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So last couple of questions. What about those days where it all goes horribly wrong? How do you deal with those? <laughs> I feel like I had a few of those d- days this week. I think, uh, I think Mercury is retrograde, as they say. <laughs> um, <laughs> it seems to be like that a lot, though. It's really yes. happened to it. So is it just an excuse or is it true, do you think? Well, you know, I, I say it because it makes it makes me feel a little bit better. But the, the thing is <laughs> out of you your know, control. It's, yeah, it's like, oh, this can't be my doing. This can't be my doing. Um, so for, for me, um, when when days that go sideways, so a lot of it is and I'm, I'm really this is an area that I'm really learning to work on and strengthen right now. And it's emotional agility. So as an entrepreneur, um, you're constantly being told no (laughs) you're constantly or and you mean sometimes yes too right like there's wins but there's also um you know there's also times when there's not wins and it's sometimes hard to stay positive and it's sometimes hard to keep things at a high frequency Hmm. so what I try to do um is I try to take stock of things that I'm I'm grateful for and what I do have, because it's so, you know, it's so easy to go like, oh, I have so much further to go. I have so many other areas that I need to improve. But how I stay grounded is focusing on what I do have and yeah. where I've come, where I've come from, like over the last, you know, from when I started. Um, and I find that really, really grounding. Um, okay. Something else is uh, honestly being, and this has been a really hard one for me, but being gentle with myself so when I'm in a cycle of like kind of saying like really not such nice things to myself I remind myself it's like okay I'm going to limit this to five minutes and then I'm going to move on so I have a limit of negative self-talk because really it's just not productive it's not going to move me forward so I really try to keep a, a cap on the negative thinking, I, I, I thank it for showing up. And then I also bid it farewell. <laughs> because, you know, it's, it's important to obviously be based in reality and, and obviously, you know, and be doing better and better. Um, but it's, you know, it's important to be gentle 
and to not really be too hard on yourself. Um, at the same time, it's easy. It's really tempting to be, you know, hard on yourself as an entrepreneur. So I think I've been giving, trying to do better with giving myself the space to just be a little, a little more, a little more careful with myself. Like I would a friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. Yeah. And what about those days where you get to live more and that's where I say that you get to do more of the things that you want to do and less of the stuff that you don't want to do what do those days look like for you oh I love those days um preferably it the sun is out I love the sunshine so preferably the weather is beautiful uh but really it's it's when I really feel like I'm making I'm making a difference for my client and I'm really helping them in an area that they wouldn't have been able to help themselves Um, so that's really a fantastic day for me. So part of my branding process is that I have these really probably like three and a half long hour conversations with my clients before we even get into the visual branding side. And it's really fascinating to uncover somebody else's goals, vision, what they're doing in their business and helping them to realize that as well. Um, and that's the perfect day for me is, is when I'm serving my clients as best as I can. Um, but, you know, obviously not, you know, not feeling too, too stressed out as well. That would be probably my perfect day. <laughs> yeah, we don't want stressed. We don't want stressed. Yes. yes. <laughs> Brilliant. It's been great interviewing you, Brittany or Brittany. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tell people how they can find out more about you and connect with you. Yeah, so um, like I mentioned, um, Instagram, so branding by Brittany. So uh, and it's sound it's spelled exactly like it sounds you can find me on Instagram. Um, I'm sure I'll be excited to be your friend on there. You can also find me on Facebook under Brittany Pickram branding and design. And I'm on Twitter. And I even have one TikTok video that I've uploaded under branding by Brittany. So so I'm (laughs) <laughs> I'm trying. I have one up there and I'm, I'm aiming to do more. But as an elder millennial, I'm a little confused by TikTok. <laughs> I'm not even going anywhere near it. Like video, so it's probably not a good style for me. <laughs> oh, brilliant. So thank you for joining me. It's been really interesting talking to you. You too, Joe. Thank you so much for having me on. All this information is available in the show notes. If you go to powertolivemore.com forward slash, in this case, 169, then you'll find them there. And this week, I want to talk to you about elevator pitches. It's what we were discussing at this week's CounterPoint networking meeting. If you're not aware of what an elevator pitch is, it's the 30 seconds a minute or however long you have to describe yourself to somebody in terms of what you do in your business. And the term was coined supposedly by somebody talking about how long it would take for them to explain what they did if they met Bill Gates in an elevator by the time they went from the ground floor to the top floor. I guess the length of your elevator pitch depends on the height of your building. Uh, But normally in networking events, people like to try and keep the elevator pitches or rather the people listening like you to keep your elevator pitch to probably 30 seconds to to a minute, depending. Um, Quite often, some of those meetings, they're, they're getting around a room of maybe 25, 30 people. And so if you only do a minute each, obviously, that's already 25 or 30 minutes. So it's really important to get a really clear, succinct and short elevator pitch. 
And so we talked about how important it is before you get started on planning out what your elevator pitch is to get really clear about who your client avatar is. So exactly who it is you are looking to attract and looking to work with. And within that also, which particular niche that you're working in. If you think about somebody listening to elevator pitch needs to be able to say to somebody else, oh, if that's what you're looking for help with, I know somebody who can help you. And so when I talk to my students, I talk about, you know, really ridiculously specific examples like, you know, if you're offering your, if you offer your services to people who have one leg and ginger hair, then if I'm out and about and I find somebody who's got one leg and ginger hair uh, and is looking for your service, then of course I'm going to recommend them to you because they are your ideal uh, ideal client and they fit the criteria of exactly who you want to work with. Therefore, you're going to understand their you know needs and wants and all that sort of thing as well. And from their point of view, when I then recommend you and say, this person actually specializes in people exactly like you, then they're much more likely to come to you because of that actual point. Now, obviously, I'm uh, exaggerating and using a very specific example, but you do need to get really clear for other reasons as well, in terms of when you're writing emails or you're putting stuff out on social media or you're uh, networking or whatever, that you're able to talk to the right person because you've identified who they are. So if you write your emails or write your blog posts with one person in mind who absolutely um, personifies who you want to work with, then the tone of what you write and the content that you share and the information that you give is always going to be on point for your target market, for the people that you want to have as your customers or your clients. So get really clear about who your client is and which niche you're working in before you write your avatar, no, before you write your elevator pitch. And the other really important part is to finish the elevator pitch with a so that so many we so many times we focus on the features of something. So we focus on what we do. And we talked at the meeting about how Lisa Sasevich always talks about when you're selling your product that you should sell the destination, not the plane. Because we do tend to get involved saying that we provide this number of videos and that many hours of coaching or whatever, when actually it's the, the change, the transformation that our clients want. They don't really worry too much about how we're going to deliver it they just want to be doing something different at the end of it um and so we tend to when we're putting together our elevator pictures and talk about we what we do we tend to talk about what we do <laughs> um not the effect that it has on our clients so if you always re- if you remember to use the phrase so that at the end of whatever you're saying that gives you much more of a chance of ensuring that you talk about the benefits for the people that you work with um, rather than just stopping at the sort of features, if you like, at the things that you do. So the format that I shared with the attendees of Counterpoint Networking to help them to go and put together their elevator pitch was something like this. It was, I solve a problem for people with this problem in and then the industry or the area that you work in by, and that's the doing bit, doing something special, so that, and that's the outcome that the customers get. So if I use that format for myself, I would say something like, I reduce the overwhelm and frustration for home-based coaches and consultants by providing practical help, teaching and support so that they get unstuck, feel less isolated, get focused and be more productive. 
So remember, it's that so that that's really key. So in this case, so that they get unstuck, feel less isolated, get focused and be more productive. So if you don't already have an elevator pitch or if you've got one that's too long or isn't succinct or doesn't include that so that, then my challenge to you this week is to create your own elevator pitch using the format that I've described and particularly that so that so that you're ready when you go to your next networking event. And on that note, if you'd like to come to our networking on Monday, it's on Monday the 3rd of August, it's at two o'clock, it's for 90 minutes. And this Monday coming, we're going to be talking about using lead magnets in our marketing. If you're interested, go to counterpointnetworking.co.uk forward slash 200803, and that'll take you straight into the page where you can join the networking group and RSVP for the meeting. And again, the show notes for this week's show are at powertolivemore.com forward slash 169. And we look forward to speaking to you next week. Use your power to live more. 